Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to True Restoration. Here is your host. I'm your host, Jason Gordiano, and on this episode, I'm joined by Father Michael Oswell, pastor of St. Benedict's Roman Catholic Church in Lacey Spring, Alabama. Welcome, Father, and thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me again. We are pleased to present Escape from the Novus Ordo free of charge to our listeners by the generous sponsorship of Novus Ordo Watch, NovusOrdoWatch.org. Are you wondering what has happened to the Roman Catholic Church? Are you confused, shocked, alarmed at what Francis has been saying recently? Then log on to NovusOrdoWatch.org for traditional Catholic news and information with insightful commentary and razor-sharp analysis. Since 2002, Novus Ordo Watch has been exposing the Vatican II Church and its false popes by comparing and contrasting their new religion with the true religion, the modernist Novus Ordo teachings with the teachings of the Catholic Church. Go to NovusOrdoWatch.org to see why Francis is not a true pope and how the modernist Vatican II sect differs from the Catholic Church. That's NovusOrdoWatch.org. To receive access to all Restoration Radio episodes, please visit RestorationRadioNetwork.org and go to the member area on the menu bar to find out details on becoming a member. If you would like to purchase an individual episode, navigate to the available episode of your choice and simply click the links below the player on the page. After completing your purchase, you'll be emailed a secure download link. Restoration Radio episodes are syndicated on iTunes and Stitcher. If you are listening to our content on those platforms, please be sure to leave us ratings and reviews. This will help those who are searching for truly Catholic programming to more easily find our content. You can find the links to these two syndicates on our homepage. As a reminder, the purpose of this show is to give encouragement and guidance from a true Catholic priest, Father Michael Oswald, in becoming a Catholic in order to save your soul. On this episode, we'll discuss with Father his initial movements to become a Catholic and the prayer life necessary. This is the beginning of the escape plan. Many of us begin with seeking a reverence that's not wanted in the Novus Ordo, so we try to fix a new Mass or promote the quote-unquote extraordinary form of the Mass. Then the bigger questions come, such as why don't Catholics act like Catholics? Uh, We've talked about some of these issues in previous episodes. Uh, The question is, how do you make the transition from recognizing these problems, keeping up on the news, the, the crisis, and actually make the change in your life to become a Catholic? Some of you may have been raised in the Novus Ordo or maybe recently converted. Uh, there will be a lot to cover, so we'll just take this step by step. Father, do you have anything else to add uh, before uh, you speak about um, how you began your path from the Novus Ordo to Catholicism? Um, not necessarily, but um, I was trying to think of a sort of an analogy maybe that might uh, might help, uh, you know, as... as People who have been listening to this these uh, programs and uh, or who have been uh, you know trying to educate themselves and what's going on today, etc., and all that, and and um, I kind of look at it as as um, kind of analogy would be like, like for myself is that I um, I I've always uh, liked to uh, cook. I've always been very um, active in since I was a really a child and cooking and, you know, I know, you know, all these sort of things. And how I began that way is I, I first had to watch my mother. Uh, I watched her, I had, you know, asked questions and then watched her cook, et cetera, that. But I also did my own research. I, I read all kinds of cookbooks and, you know, watched cooking shows growing up and things of that nature. And I did my study in that regards. And so all that, I, I looked at that as that's, that's all necessary 
and then I had to do that. But then, you know, like now I have like all kinds of, you know, cookbooks that I have and then I've used throughout the years and, you know, I, 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 they're, they're pretty cheap. You can get them used for very cheap. And all that. So I have quite a bookshelf of cookbooks, which I use, et cetera, and all that. Um, but it's just one thing. If you have all this information, have all the cookbooks and you, and you have all this and you see the cooking programs and all that, but it, it really doesn't help you at all if you actually don't cook. <laughs> if you don't actually <laughs> take what you have and what you've learned, what you've, you know, et cetera, and actually put it into action. Otherwise, it's just pointless, really. Um, in that regard. So, uh, I kind of try to, you know, you kind of look at it in the sense of that analogy like that is that we have to understand what's going on. Um, we have to look and see, and we have to study, we have to do that, all that we need to do, but then we have to put it into action. We have to make, you know, we have to make use of that, um, the graces that we've been given to, uh, um, to follow and to put that into action, so to speak. And so it's kind of an analogy. And, and, and again, it's, uh, and the thing, the the I think the main problem, um, or not necessarily main problem. I think the main one of the main things we might be talking about in these next shows is, is that for many, from almost all really in the Northwest Ordo who are, who have not seen or was uh, or old enough to be say like in, uh, seen the church prior to Vatican II and the life of a Catholic, etc is I think there is a lack of examples of what it means to be Catholic or examples of how to live as a Catholic. If you look at the Noah's Order and how people act and how people, um, I'm talking generally, of course, not, but how people act, how people um, um, are formed and how their daily lives even are, it would look really a lot different than Catholics have ever been um, before in, in the church prior to Vatican II, all the way whatever, you know, since the start of the church, really. Um, you know, there's a, it is a totally different formation that it's had for people, and they don't really have the examples to see um, uh, to kind of form their Catholic identity as, as like, say, I had for cooking, like I watched my mother, and then and I watched other family members, of such a cook, and you only be you you watch things and you you pick up things here and there, and you kind of incorporate that and live that in a set, certain sense. That's a lot of, with faith as well, is that. Uh, but when you when you have don't have that, you know you're kind of lost in a certain sense, um, and you don't have people to look at to say, oh, that's how Catholics should live, and or what it's a Catholic li- life. Uh, should look like so you know but you have to start somewhere and you can't look around and that's one of the reasons why you look around in the Nos Ordo and for many people are looking at it is that it it doesn't look I mean people are living just as worldlings I mean it's it's totally nothing but worldliness with a little bit of sprinkling of of a Catholic veneer in a sense you know come to church on Sunday or something and but that's why you have you know the the uh, just in the daily praxis of daily life of people is that you know I mean basically do people pray the rosary anymore? Do the people pray their meal prayers you know much anymore? Do they um, you know do they uh, dress appropriately in public? Do they um, you know all these sort of things uh, and to look at the things the issues of the day with with a Catholic eye with the eyes of a Catholic rather than just out of an worldling. I mean that kind of lost for many people today, especially, like I said, for those who um, are post-Vatican II born, like I was as well. I mean, that 
You know, I mean, there's the, the whole identity of a Catholic, understanding what a Catholic looks like has changed completely at, after Vatican II. I mean, it is no longer it, it, nothing compared to what has been before, really. And so, but, you know, this is why I think one of these, the programs, especially these last few ones as well, is that you have to look at and understand what's going on today. You can't, um, you know, you can't just stick your head in the sand and say, and live outside of reality um, and just, uh, you know, go about your business, etc. You have to understand what's at stake today. You have to understand things. And it's very much like in the spiritual life. To begin in the spiritual life, you have to know yourself. In other words, you have to know yourself as how you really are and how not in some sort of rose-colored glasses, etc. But then you begin to work on it from that point, very much so in in what we're doing today. So it's very important that we have to keep up with uh, certain things that in a certain, you know, not uh, in a certain re- respect of, of knowing what's at stake and, and, and uh, we have to study and all that. But at the same time, too, we have to, uh, we have to live as Catholics have always lived. We have to understand what that, that is, what, how to, uh, that Catholic identity. And, and uh, um, but to ignore today and the reality and just sort of live outside of that is not helpful. Um, and, but at the same time, you don't want to go to the extreme. We are so um, flustered and so disconcerned, uh, you know, and so lack of peace of soul in regards to, as you see, the, the chaos that's going on in the Vatican II, et cetera, and all that. Um, but, uh, you, you know, you, you have to find that, that you have to live. Uh, you have to save your, look at your soul. Uh, and to save your soul, of course, that's our primary concern. And um, so we have to live as a Catholic. And um, But we have to do something about it. That if you're, you know, and I said it before, I think, in in, in other shows is, you know, how is it that, say someone is in the Novus Ordo and, you know, does see that there are problems going on, et cetera, and they're very disconcerned and, and discon, uh, you know, very um, just all sort of uh, worked up and, and everything. And and, and uh, they're seeing the, the terrible apostasy. They're seeing the, uh, you know, the liberalism, rampant liberalism, the, the, the denial of dogmas and doctrines, et cetera. And, and you always have to step back and just remind them or, or have them be reminded. Um, how is it that the church, who is the bride of Christ, is a perfect, uh, you know, given to us by our Lord, how is she, the church, then um, a cross for someone? Um, it, you know, it can't, in other words, the church is, is indefectible. It's, uh, it, it is, uh, it is, uh, um, you know, it cannot give what is evil uh, to uh, the faithful or lead the faithful astray. It cannot um you can't do that uh, in that regards. Uh, so, you know that those are all red flags. And if you see that, and and the, the course that the Vatican II has been has taken and has continued even more so prominently in these last you know, ten years or so, um, again, you have to do something about it. In other words, you have to recognize that that's not the Catholic Church, and then you have to take your steps and to to leave it. Um, because it's, uh, it's not the Catholic Church, but then part of that means that then you have to begin to live as a Catholic, and that's kind of where, I guess, you know, we'll try or I'll throw some a little helpful maybe uh, hints or, or helps uh, as much as I can to for people to, to know. Yes, Father. Uh, in recalling uh, your stories in the Novosoro Seminary, I, I, re- I remember that uh, 
you know, you read a lot of the lives of the saints and, and thinking about that now that, that uh, looking at their example, that it's so foreign compared to life in the Novus Ordo. Uh, and that's one of the things I think that would help immensely for people um, is to, to, you know, read as much as you can about the lives of the saints and the biographies of the saints and um, the autobiographies of the saints as well, you know, like St. Augustine's written, of course, his own biography here, St. Teresa of Avila, and, and, but, you know, you read that and, and um, you begin to have a sense um, of how Catholics live. And granted, you know, in a, uh, you know for all saints, they always I always remind people of this as well, and, and it says we, we we look to we, we we learn about the saints, we look to them, and but we have to we have to look at it sometimes in a in a more general in a general principle way, not necessarily like I'm reading uh, a biography of Saint Rose of Lima, and and um, I read in there of the the uh, immense amount of of uh, mortification that she took upon herself, of course, under the guidance of her spiritual director. Um, but nonetheless, I mean, the, the penances that she did and that, and that shames me in a certain sense that, you know, I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm not doing in a sense what she, uh, did the, the, you know, the, the major things that she did in regards to penances and that, but nonetheless is that this, uh, a lot of people are not called to necessarily do that, uh, that amount or that. And so we have to be careful and really by the saints is that, you know, there's many times we, um, that many, for most people, are not called to say have again uh, to live like a, a a a monk in the desert or something of that nature. But it's the general principles behind that. We all have to do mortification. We all have to do penance. We all have to live that way, depending on our state of life. And um, but so the lives of the saints are, are are wonderful examples for us as Catholics to begin to understand that Catholic identity and. It looks different sometimes in in certain things and certain you know amounts etc. I guess you could say like I said different penances or different mortifications in a specific example, but nonetheless is that the spirit is still there that we must do penance we must live the cross we must carry the cross we must um, you know as Catholics we must do this we must do that and so those lives of the saints are are wonderful examples to reclaim that Catholic identity and. and uh, because also in those lives of the saints, you see also the um, the life of the church herself as the, as how it goes, and and uh, in the general sense, uh, you know, and you read again, especially even just uh, if you read good biographies of of Catholics who maybe necessarily aren't saints as well, like you know, I read just um, um, I've I've read like the biography of of Pope Saint uh, Pope Pius the the twelfth and or Pius the eleventh, and uh, I just read. Pope St. Pius X, again, um, biography. But, you know, so you, you, but you see the, the life, uh, you know, the, of a Catholic and uh, how what it looks like, in, and, uh, and you can begin to apply that into your own life. And so those are, it, those are it's, a, it's a vast uh, um, treasure field um, for, uh, for people to, to have. Um, you know, always, again, taking the right, reading it with the right, understanding and and uh but you get to see what a catholic life uh looks like and that's again priceless father as we look at the saints how should we discern which saints we should have a devotion to well we 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 of course honor all the saints of course everyone and and regards but yet 
we certainly have um, certain um, attractions, so to speak, to certain saints. And there's really no, you know, there's no set rule that we have to have, other than outside that of, of course, our Blessed Mother, of course. But we have to have a, a, a we have to have a good and, and powerful devotion to her. But certainly, you know, you can look at uh, and, and any other saint, and, and most especially the our own patron saint, you know, those saints that were named after. We should have a good relationship with them. Our confirmation saint that we've chosen as well. I mean, that's certainly that's a saint we should have a good devotion to as well. But, you know, then you look at some of the more grander and powerful saints, you know, you could say. Um, St. Joseph, uh, I think everyone should have a good devotion to St. Joseph. Uh, St. Philomena is another great, powerful saint. So it just, it depends. Uh, St. Michael, of course, in today's times is a great warrior that he is. Um, but, uh, again, it, it's it's it depends. And a preference, you know, that we have, is, again, that will come through, Sometimes our prayers or readings, you know, like I said, you read Lives of the Saints and you say, wow, this is this really, you know, I can see some of my life or things I went through maybe in this life of this saint. And maybe that's a good avenue to then to um, have a good devotion then to that saint. So, you know, it just, uh, it, it varies. But again, I think, you know, as long of course, the if you want to say the the big name saints are always the good ones to have in our uh, you know, as a good devotion, you know, uh, of course, our Blessed Mother, St. Joseph, um, St. Michael, St. Philomena, and all these wonderful saints, uh, of course, are, are um, great. Uh, they're our best friends. Uh, I mean, they truly are our best friends uh, because they want us to be with them in heaven. And that, that that's their only desire now is for, in regards to us here, this church militant. They want us to join them in heaven. That There's no... There's no selfishness. There's no nothing in that regard. There's nothing in that. It's just pure uh, charity. And, and so they're really our true best friends. And in addition to that, Father, with coming from the Novus Ordo, will you have to watch out for for saints that are canonized in the Novus Ordo? Uh, yes, you'd probably want to. Um, yes, you'd want to usually um, avoid uh, you know that. It very well be in. Um, a good example, well, a good example would be, let's say, take, uh, say, Padre Pio. Padre Pio was a very holy, holy priest, you know, did very, you know, worked wonders in, in his life. And, and uh, the church, even prior to Vatican II, of course, was, was uh, um, I mean, at first was, of course, as it should be, you know, a little bit weary, etc. But then, you know, began to see uh, the holiness of Padre Pio. And now he was canonized by Vatican II after Vatican II, but as far as, as as personal prayers, I mean, certainly one can pray to Padre Pio uh, personally, privately. I mean, there's nothing, just like in, because everyone who's in heaven uh, uh, is a saint, whether they're canon, you know, whether they know they're canonized or, or not, just anyone who makes it to heaven is a saint. And, and so, one certainly can, and, you know, ask Padre Pio for help or what have you, or you know, something of that nature, but you, for a lot of the other, you know, I mean, you can certainly pray uh, privately, but as far as, you know, public prayers, um, like myself, if I were to pray in regards to that, you know, it'd have to be one who was canonized prior to Vatican II um, uh, in that regards, which is, we know that a mark of infallibility of the church is that the church declares a saint, that's infallibly then that saint, that person is in heaven. Um, that is a saint. So, 
um, you know, it's best always best to stick to those uh, who are prior to Vatican II. And, but again, you can see sometimes maybe there's again very could be some very holy people that maybe if there was a true pope or the true church was in the right, you know, they maybe would have been canonized. Uh, but you know, that's uh, publicly we can't necessarily uh, have public prayers to those uh, people. But uh, privately, one could, I suppose, uh, you know, pray uh, to that person um, for their intercession, their help, and should they be in heaven, I'm certainly then they would, uh, they would help. Um, so, but keep in mind too, is that you have, um, I think there's the, the, the coin or the, the, uh, um, it's a saint factory in a certain sense that Vatican II has produced is, is, uh, I mean, if you look at even, they just, you know, made, they're making all the Vatican II quote unquote popes now basically saints. You're having, you know, Thanks, John the Twenty Third, and they're, uh, you know, and I have what uh, Blessed Paul the Sixth, and neither they're trying to make John Paul the First a saint, um, and eventually, you know, they made, of course, they made John Paul the Second a saint, and they'll do it try for Benedict and and, uh, um, you know, Francis probably even probably he probably wants it even still while he's living, but nonetheless, is that you have, <laughs> you know, so you ha- you have to just 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 kind of just ignore that um, because. But uh, um, so you you do have to be a little bit careful. It's just best, it's just a general you know, rule of thumb. It's just the better or the easier, more safer course of action is just to stick with saints prior to Vatican II, especially if you know for devotion. Um, but like I said, I I certainly I have a nice uh, little statue of Padre Pio in here, and uh, as well, and just a reminder of the holiness of his priesthood, and and uh, certainly very well be be a saint, um, but. You know that would take the the church to church uh, the true church to proclaim that at least publicly. But you know you can certainly invoke uh, certain people for uh, their help. We would like to remind you that you're listening to Escape from the Novosordo on the Restoration Radio Network. I'm your host Jason Guardiano, and I am joined by Father Michael Oswald. And today we've been discussing the initial steps of the escape plan. We want to remind you that Escape from the Novosordo is a production of the Restoration Radio Network. All rights are reserved, and any duplication without explicit written permission is forbidden. To obtain permission, please write to mail at truerestoration.org. Father, how big of a part did the rosary play in your conversion? The rosary played, uh, I would say, probably a, uh, well, Probably it play it played a a uh, very very prominent part uh, because I was not getting any uh, sacramental graces um, you know the sacraments that I was receiving and uh, they were not valid um, and so it was the rosary uh, that uh, I think was, certainly was the one the thing that uh, was procuring graces for me, actual graces, uh, and by the, the uh, benevolence of a, and, and, and merciful hands of our Blessed Mother. Um, so I, I certainly, and I did, I would say that um, in seminary, when I was in the Minnesota Seminary, I began, which I had never done before. I mean, I prayed the rosary, of course, before, uh, but uh, in the seminary, I began to pray the full 15 decades uh, every day. Um, And I certainly think that that uh, helped me immensely. And I I certainly look at that as one of the great anchors 
uh, that kept me uh, from being swallowed up in the Noah's Ordo, really, um, and to help me to then to escape. Uh, so I, I think the rosary played an, an immense part in my conversion and in my safety, really, uh, to the truth, um, and many things. Um, but uh, if you read, uh, there's a very good book, it's called The Secret of the Rosary by uh, uh, St. Louis de Montfort, and um, very good book, short, very, you know, short chapters, and, and but it's very good in regards to explaining uh, the power of the rosary, as it's uh, certainly as uh, um, the rosary, of course, played an instrument part in, in the crossing of the heresies of St. Dominic and the Evagentian heresies, and all of the heresies of, you know, the, is the rosary that, and devotion to our Blessed Mother, who had uh, played a great part in in, in that, and, and I see that, um, I see the power of the rosary even today, um, not only in my own life, but in others as well. And I saw it in Elvis Ordo. Um, you know, those people who are of good of goodwill in Elvis Ordo, who are trying to be Catholic, who want to be Catholic, who have a desire to be Catholic, and um, it's inevitable that they all pray the rosary, um, and, which in Elvis Ordo is really, truthfully, for the vast majority, they don't pray the rosary. Um, there's no really devotional life, but for those who do um, and do it regularly, I, I think, you know, they're, they're the ones I think who's uh, of goodwill, who are, whose eyes uh, will eventually, I think, will be opened <clears throat> and, you know, they'll uh, fully and they'll be uh, able then to, you know, leave the, the Los Ordo and, and uh, become, uh, you know, be, be within the true Catholic Church. Then. Uh, and I think it's because of the the benevolent hands uh, of our mother. So uh, you would say the rosary is uh, pretty much required, Father, right? And something you can you can do now. Absolutely, yeah. There is, um, it is, it is truly, um, it is a requirement. I, I would, I would go so far as to say that it is an absolute requirement uh, to to pray your rosary. Of course, uh, we see our Blessed Mother asked us to, you know, pray a rosary every day. Uh, um, you know, at least five decades is what her desire was, and she did say, and that is through the rosary and the scapula that you know she'll conquer the world, or her heart will conquer. And um, I, I, I cannot see how one could not pray the rosary regularly, uh, have a devotion to it, and pray it every day, and uh, and and can and do it devoutly, and and with the right intention, of course, um, and not then. Uh, be led to the truth. I mean, I, 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 in my mind, I don't see how that is a possibility. It, it may take some time. It may take a long time, maybe even. But um, I, you know, Saint Alphonsus Liguori is, you know, is very, very keen and very, very emphatic when he reminds uh, in his in his book, you know, Glories of Mary. He says, you know. Those who have a devotion to our Blessed Mother, those who have a true devotion to her, uh, you know, will not uh, will not be lost. Um, and he was pretty emphatic about that, and it's true. Um, and you know, if we certainly have a, a strong and, and real and true devotion to our Blessed Mother, especially of course praying the, praying the Rosary and and uh, other devotions we can do for her, and we have it as a true devotion, uh, she certainly will protect her children. She will lead her children then. To uh, the truth, she will lead our children then to our Lord, uh, of course, her Son, um, which is what she wants. And 
So uh, I think it is an absolute necessity, and anyone can pray it, and anyone can pray it often, um, especially if you're in Novus Ordo, I would suggest making the time, trying to have the time to begin to pray all 15 decades. I say 15, I don't say, of course, the uh, luminous mysteries, they're not, they're not part of the rosary. You know, that just was another try, another slap in the face uh, of the true faith and especially Blessed Mother as well by uh, John Paul II. But pray all three uh, uh, mysteries of the rosary. Um, you know, one could pray. What I would do in, in, in the seminary is, you know, I, I'd go for a rosary walk early in the morning. Um, I'd pray five decades. I'd take another walk maybe around in the noonish or something of that nature or pray five decades and then in the evening or in the other five decades. And so you certainly can split it up if you can or if you're driving to work even, you know, I do this often when I drive on missions, I'll, you know, I'll pray the rosary. And, uh, you know, it's not like it it's doesn't, it's just in a, a natural level, it's not like it takes an exorbitant amount of time. Um, but uh, you, you do certainly have to still have some Especially when you're driving, you have to be careful. Uh, of course, you don't want to, I mean, you know, you want to have as much attention as you can to the rosary, but it certainly you can do a little bit while you're driving. And then, you know, uh, but it's always best if you can uh, to pray uh, on your knees. And, and the church is always, of course, is the best way. Um, but, you know, you have to do how you can. Um, and so, but it is, I think, uh, indispensable in the life of a Catholic um, is to, you know, one must. As they used to say in the old days, you must pray your beads, um, and that certainly will help. Uh, Father, what other uh, essential prayers or uh, maybe even spiritual reading uh, would you recommend for uh, for these uh, initial steps? Well, I, I would say, I, I think one thing besides, uh, um, as I mentioned earlier, is uh, um, what you're trying to do, or at least what I was trying to do as well, and, and which those in those you're trying to understand or trying to see what it means to be Catholic, what a Catholic identity, you know, what does it, I mean, what is it, how do you live as a Catholic? And besides, of course, reading the lives of the saints and, and of course, the devotions uh, like our Blessed Mother, and um, one of the ways that those formed, that Catholics were formed um, in regards to not only their belief, you know, as in faith and what they must believe and must do it, but how they should live, is is they would pattern themselves in the liturgical year of the church. Um, you know, the, the different seasons. The uh, each season brings uh, the church brings upon different devotions or different aspects or um, you know different. Uh, if you if you, even the the masses as well is that you know the 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 um, the the epistle or the gospel at mass and and uh, you know the 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 prayers at mass you know they all there's a, a a pattern in a sense to it a life in a sense of the church which is you can see in the liturgical life and you know one of the things that helped me immensely is certainly I didn't follow uh, after a while didn't follow the Novus Ordo because it was I mean it was uh, scattered in in that regards and it was to get a hold of, 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 well, what I used and, and, and it's readily available is the, it's the liturgical year of the church by, um, by Dom Prosper Granger. Mm-hmm. Very good, very good 
book in regards to understanding the, the, the liturgical cycle, the life of the church of, you know, because uh, it, you know, he'll explain in there, you know, about, say, about Advent or about Lent or about, also it gives you in there the, um, the, the mass propers and, and uh, all, you know, all of that and explanations and that and very good, uh, very good spiritual reading, but also, you know, you begin to live again that liturgical cycle. You're going through the, the cycle with the church as she is praying throughout the year. You are praying in tune as, as well that way as well. And that that's going to help really form, that helps form a Catholic in there and into that identity of, you know, because you know, okay, it's, you know, we're just, we're having Advent coming up, you know, soon in that regards. And okay, so this is, Advent season brings this and this and this and this and the, and the readings are the, uh, of the epistle and the, and the office and all that, they all correspond to those sort of things. And so there's a life in a sense, you know, a focus, so to speak, that is there. Um, and certainly, uh, you know, the Noah's Ordo tries to do something like that, in other words, but convoluted in a sense. But if you go back into, um, again, get, get these good books like that of, uh, of the church's liturgical life uh, prior to, to Vatican II, you know, there's a, there's a depth there and there's a richness there and it's it's very very good um um to to help to to form um um someone in 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 in, in, in to be in that that vein as as being a catholic and so you know that that is uh, is that's something that helped me quite a lot as well and there's of course there's other different books as well that would help um but also too again getting some, again, good books just on the Mass itself. Um, and uh, prior to Vatican II, you know, the books prior to Vatican II, etc., on the Mass itself. Uh, the Wonders of the Mass, uh, you know, those, um, it's just, uh, it's mind-boggling that uh, um, when you uh, when you read those things, it's just so packed and in-depth with um, spiritual things of, of with uh, you know, of formation of, of, of a soul, of, but also forms your mind, which then, of course, helps form then your actions as well, and all of that. So, you know, those things are are, are wonderful helps uh, to someone. Besides, of course, the lives of the saints. Besides, of course, you know, the praying the rosary, which you can do now. Um, all these things you can do now. Um, you know, you begin to again, to uh, read and to study, but yet to kind of put things that you can into practice. Um, and that's one of the great things uh, of the treasures of the church is that we have such a depth uh, of things that we can have at our fingertips. I mean, especially today, in today's times, we can pretty much have access to almost anything we want in regards to all the books that, you know, uh, the churches, uh, those within the church have provided for us and all of that. So it's much easier today than it ever has been, and uh, but you always take what what uh, said in, in Imitation of Christ, and, he, and he, he says, you know, I have to be careful that you can have all the knowledge in the world, you can have understand all these things, but if you don't put it into practice, it doesn't do you anything. Um, so, you know, we have to balance those things, and we have to apply and, and start to put things more, do those things that we can do, um, and put them into our daily lives. It's amazing how much doubt is sown into the into your faith of trying to be a Catholic when you're in the Novus Ordo that that you just don't know 
what's correct and and all the things you've just talked about, Father, um, instill a confidence that that was very strange. That uh, while in the Nova sort of like, oh, it's so it's okay to to believe these things that that the Catholic Church is is correct. Did you uh, how did you experience that in your uh, in your time in the Nova Sordo? Well, um, it's um, the way I I dealt. Uh, well, I'll give you an example. When I was in um, in the Nova Sordo, um, the whole thing of the apparitions at uh, Medjugorje, you know, came out. I mean, it was like begin to happen, and it just kind of became this huge thing, and it still is a huge thing in the Nomosoro today. So you have all these people who are saying, oh, how wonderful this is, how this is, you know, this is, you know, this uh, this novelty in a sense. But then you begin to, this is where your study, your understanding of, of the faith, uh, as it always has been, the dogmas and doctrines and, you know, what the Catholic should be, has to believe and, and, and must believe. And this is where that begins to kick in, because then you begin to then apply that to whatever is being said or whatever is being done, etc. And like with Medjugorje, you have, you have things like, uh, I remember they were, you know, saying, Oh, you know, our blessed mother was saying how, um, our religions are good and, and all these sort of things. Well, so all this was coming out and this, you know, people were like, Oh, how wonderful that is. And, but then, you know, you should say, wait a minute, is that what the church teaches? And the answer, of course, is no. So by that very fact, then that's false apparition because that's because our certainly our blessed mother, if that was a true apparition, would not say that. And so you begin to then apply that knowledge which one should have in your basic catechism to whatever is being said or whoever says whoever says something or a new novel idea. You always have to be careful. Um, a good, good as uh, Pope Saint Pius the um, the tenth had warned uh, the Catholic world. It says about modernists. It says, you know, always keep in mind that one of their their one of their hallmarks is they uh, really are in love in a sense with novelty. As that you know, things are always you know this new thing is always seems to be the best thing. This new, this new, this new. Um, which have to be very careful uh, in regards to that. Is if something is said different than it always has been, as Scripture even says, Saint Paul writes, if even an angel came down and said something different, you know, let him in anathema. Um, so this is where we have to, and those in Los Ordo or those who are searching for the truth, that you have to know catechism. You have to know what the Church teaches prior to Vatican II. I mean, you you have to be rooted in that, um, those dogmas and doctrines. It's, and, and from that, you can apply, and you can say, wait a minute. And, and I always tell people, especially... Um, like now we're doing uh, my my catechism classes are in uh, apologetics and, and I know I just in last year too in my catechism classes I was reminded the people I says when you're ever trying to talk with someone make sure that you're not just always saying you're saying you know well I think this way or I think this is it this is or I I I you always have to make sure and say wait a minute what does the church say let the church says this okay this is what the church says this and you because that's our rock and. Uh, Certainly, we can apply that and, and, and whatever may come up in that regard. So, uh, I would just always handle it to the fact is that, okay, um, so this is what you're saying, or this is what, but let's just, you know, let's just, what does the church say? And here you go back to your catechisms, uh, Baltimore Catechism, or my Catholic faith, or, or 
um, you know, just your whatever basic catechisms in a sense that you even had. Uh, um, but being in the seminary, I would go back to even more, you know, the theological tracts and manuals and such like that as well for more in depth. But I mean, that's, it's, that's again, that's where, you know, we have to know the faith and you have to understand it and, and to know that the faith dogmas and doctrines, I've always said in, in these shows is that they don't change. They cannot change. Um, you know, there's nothing new that can be had in that regards. And so, um, you know, that's something that I, I would try to handle as you know, best as I could when else things would come up. And in the Nova Soto, that's such a hard lesson to to learn and understand because everything is promoted as a self-interpretation. Even the, the young adult uh, Bible studies, everything is, you know, how, how does it feel sort of thing. Right. But also, too, keep in mind is that I'll give you an example, too, is uh, how even within the Novus Ordo, how nothing is, is uh, um, nothing is, um, 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 there's no truth that is, uh, you know, solid. In other words, it changes. And give you an example, what do you see today in regards to the death penalty? And this is, uh, you know, the whole, all the Novus Ordo and Francis himself and all that saying, oh, Death penalty, we must end as the sinful and all this sort of thing, and you know, and there should be no capital punishment and all that sort of thing. Well, what does the church say? Well, the church, of course, prior to Vatican has always said that, that that's possible. I mean, that capital punishment is 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 a, a, a viable option for the state if it deems it absolutely necessary. And, and but then you also look in the new catechism of the Catholic, you know, of of John Paul II's, with, you know, his new catechism when it came out. It too even says and reaffirms the true teaching of the capital punishment, but yet they're even rejecting that now in the Novus Ordo. So, so you see the 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 truth in the life of the Novus Ordo, even amongst them, their own catechism that they have, and that is just it's relative. There's no it changes that they don't have to. Uh, abide by those things. They can just change it however they want and interpret it however they want. And so, again, that's just a sure sure sign of chaos that that, that, that is not the Catholic Church. Uh, so, Father, this kind of goes under how do you audit yourself? How do you audit your life when you're looking to to be a Catholic now that definitely what the, what the Church teaches you want to guide your life through the life of the church. And you, you've covered that through uh, the liturgical life. Any other recommendations on on that level? I mean, I'm sure we'll, we'll have time in our future episodes. Well, I, I would say, along with, of course, the reading the lives of the saints and the good devotion, uh, besides the devotion, of course, to our Blessed Mother and the Rosary and, and the total consecration, which we've touched on before, um, I would suggest also uh, the devotion to the Sacred Heart. Um, there's many of, of good books on what that devotion is, how to practice that devotion, um, but begin by that, a good devotion to the Sacred Heart, is that which is a devotion that has been around since the very beginning as well. That's a wonderful devotion uh, to practice and to put into, because uh, if you look at the promises that our Lord gave to St. Margaret Mary in regards to those who have a devotion to Him and a Sacred Heart, um, you know, everyone would do it, uh, should do it, uh, when you look at those promises. So that's a, a wonderful thing as well. Uh, and also to what I did as well, uh, of course, uh, in the seminary, but I would, 
practice as much as I could the uh, the disciplines of the church prior to Vatican II. In other words, I would abstain on every Friday. I wouldn't eat meat on Friday. Um, when Lent would come, I would fast and abstain as as has always been. In other words, one meal a day, every day in Lent, except for Sunday, um, you know, two smaller meals. And, and um, I would try to impose upon, you know, try to follow those disciplines uh, like that uh, um, to, again, bolster my spiritual life, um, which is one of mortification, because in, in the Novus Ordo, there really is no mortification, really. There is no sacrifice, really. There is no... Um, there's no penance really to be had, and we need that. And, and the more we do that, as far as and the church, as a loving mother that she has always has been, imposed that upon her children for their benefit, for our good. Um, but Vatican II has, you know, rescinded that, and there, so basically, there is really no mortification in, in that regards, and and we need that. And you know, one of the things you look in Scripture when our Lord and the apostles were some of the or some of the disciples were trying to exercise some demons from some people and, and they were having no no success at it and they complained to our Lord and our Lord reminded him says, Listen, there's some demons, some that not only uh, have to be um have to be uh, exercised by prayer but also fasting. Um, you know, it's that one two punch, it's that fasting, the mortification which we need. And, you know, that will help immensely. That will also help immensely in regards to um, people to again to to live m- more as a Catholic uh, to die to oneself, one's own really pride, um, and help them to you're able to see more clearly uh, a lot of the times. Um, so you know that is is a, um, a good thing. Also, trying to do a lot of the just the normal customs, so to speak, of of each, again, season of the church. Again, in Advent, you know, do the customs. Uh, there's some very good books, and I remember reading some of Catholic customs of Catholic life and some, you know, things to do during each liturgical season, whether it be Advent or Lent or what have you. You know, those things you can begin to implement in yourself, in your own life or your family's life um, more and more is that you begin to live, again, more and more uh, as 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 a Catholic. Again, just exteriorly maybe at first, but you know, that's gonna help interiorly because there's an interplay there. Um so you can begin to use that um uh, that sort of again I guess you could say rhythm of the church uh, um in that regards. Um also uh what I did uh, and this so go more towards and, and I'm sure we'll talk in the future of more specifically in regards to those maybe who are in the clergy of Novus, of the Novus Ordo, but um, um, even the, even those who are lay people, is that uh, if you can get your hands on um, an English version of, uh, say, the Divine Office, not the liturgical, the liturgy hours of the, you know, the post-Vatican II, but the Divine Office, uh, as it always has been prayed by, by priests, but even by some laity as well, and religious, is, of course, um, or you can get a, get your hands on a uh, they have a, a little little office of the Blessed Virgin Mary or the her office uh, um, or, uh, or other little you know books like that of, of or even in your a lot of the missiles of the old missiles they may have um, you know Compline or they have Vespers or something of that nature you know begin to pray that 
that again is it's that was what has been prayed of course for thousands and thousands uh, you know two thousand years by 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 priests and religious and but also by lay people as well um you know when they could uh, for some anyway and you know you read of many of the secular saints as well you know they would pray their they would pray the office uh, as well and all those are accruing graces actual graces you know to to uh to help um to help uh, um well, basically, basically, what you're trying to do is to to have uh, the fortitude and the strength to be able to do what you need to do. In other words, to live as a Catholic, and that means you know you have to, you know, you're going to have to make some difficult decisions and and have some difficult things that you're going to have to do. But the graces are going to be there um, if you begin to do it now. And and, uh, and so little things, even just little things like. Maybe even just uh, um, praying, or, or or maybe memorizing, being able to memorize maybe a little, like the Our Father, like uh, in Latin, you know, Pater Noster, or the Ave Maria, or it may it doesn't on the surface it may just seem well that's kind of no big deal, but really, you know, Latin is the liturgical language of the Church. That's the language of the Church, and and uh, you know, it's little things sometimes like that that you know you begin to. Um, connection, so to speak, uh, on a natural level, even just not necessarily on a supernatural level, but even on a natural level, with the past of what the Catholics before, you know, they prayed often in Latin, and, and you know, little things like that, or even just music. Um, you know, the uh, one thing, you know, I, I, I'm internet is is, is wonderful in, in in some ways, and I, you know, I. I, I go off on, on, on YouTube and they have people upload or wherever that, uh, I'm not sure what that's, or download or whatever it is, uh, you know, a lot of chants. You, know, you have a, just a vast variety of chants or, or Catholic old, you know, music. And, and again, just, you don't hear that in the Novus Ordo. Um, and you hear the, I call it the Hagen Daz masses, you know, David Haas and Marty Hagen, you know, they, they, they wrote, you know, all those 70, songs which they still sing today and, and it's just you know all just syrupy and all that. but you know what about the beautiful latin chants upon the, the um all the wonderful things you know and, and like with all souls day coming up you know the area you know whoever hears that in the Minnesota, you don't hear that but what a moving piece beautiful uh that is but you know all those little but even those little things just like that help um, you'd be surprised at how much that does help to form that Catholic identity, which you can do now. Uh, um, even you know, if you're in the Novus Ordo and you know you're trying to you know break, or you're, you're you know you have to break, or you, you know you, you're still in a sense starting, I guess you can say. But you begin to do all these little things. You begin to then form yourself in your life and your prayers as Catholics have always had been. And again, that's there's graces that will be there. And so, you know, all these little things, again, they can help immensely. As we close out this episode, we have covered the initial steps of the escape plan and necessary life changes and, and the uh, makings of a prayer life as a Catholic. Um, and I want to thank Father Michael Oswald for his time and being with us on this episode. Uh, Father, is there anything else you would like to add in summary before we close out our episode uh, nothing that I can think of other than that, that uh, we are going to be here in the month of November, and it's always a, uh, this is a, a wonderful, of course, month uh, to 
make sure that we are, are doing our, our prayers and devotions for all the uh, faithful departed, all the faithful Catholics who have died before us. Um, uh, that's, you know, all the souls of purgatory. That's uh, something as, a, as well as that if we begin to pray for the souls in purgatory, that when they are finally released from purgatory, they will know who we're praying for them. You know, we just pray in general, but yet those prayers will be um, applied to them and they will know who prayed uh, for them, and they are again our, our best friends uh, because they will repay that to us uh, in this life to for us to persevere. So, just to keep that in mind for this month of November. Thank you, Father. Uh, how are the catechism classes going at uh, Saint Benedict? Oh, they're going very well. Um, uh, we're um, again we're doing apologetics, and we're just starting. Uh, we're talking about God and about. Um, um, you know, the proofs, uh, certain proofs, a general way of, of the existence of God. And, you know, so when we begin to sometimes talk to atheists, and you know, we can at least try to converse in a sense with them or throw those seeds of conversion for them. And then I'll intersperse those uh, things with, um, I'm going to talk about some historical things, especially those that have been maligned, like the, we'll begin, I'll talk about the Crusades, I'll talk about the Inquisition, I'll talk about um, like the French Revolution and all things of that nature, just so, you know, just to kind of combat the uh, lies and the misinterpretations that have been had by uh, so many uh, enemies of the church. Uh, so it's going well. Uh, not too many people have fallen asleep yet, which is a good thing. That's always a good thing. <laughs> and again, the, you can find um, the audio uh, for those classes at st-benedict-hsv.org. Well, once again, Father Oswald, thank you for your time, and we'll talk to you again next month as we continue this series. God bless you. Okay, thank you, and God bless you. We would again like to thank Novus Order Watch for their generous sponsorship, NovusOrderWatch.org. If you have any questions for Father Michael Oswald or feedback on this episode, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at escape at truerestoration.org, and we will pass along your questions or comments to Father Michael Oswald and we would also take this moment to remind you that all correspondence with us are strictly confidential. All of us here at the Restoration Radio Network would ask that if you found this show to be informative, helpful, or in any way beneficial to you and to your faith, that you please consider sending a note of thanks to the clergy who helped make our network worthwhile. Remember that above and beyond material contributions, the most important donation you can make to our work here is prayer. Please think of offering a mass, a rosary, or even a simple Ave for our work the next time you pray. 